All right, we are going to continue our series now from the Gospel of John. We've been looking at the uh, seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself. And so if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 10? If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a red one nearby you on the chairs. If you don't have a Bible at home, this is our gift to you. We want you to have the Word of Christ uh, available to you at all times. And so if you don't have a Bible at home, please take this one. This is our gift to you. If you are using the Red Bible, John 10 is on page 523. So like I said, we've been looking at the I am statements of Jesus because we've been saying uh, what we think about Jesus, what we say Jesus is, has the power to change our lives. Um, and in fact, actually, the gospel writer, John himself, believes this. At the very end of his gospel, he makes this tremendous claim. He says, now Jesus did many other signs and wonders amongst his disciples, which are not written in my book. But I have chosen to write these things so that you may believe in Jesus, that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you would have life in his name. John himself says that who you say Jesus is has the power to change your life. And that's why we've been looking at these statements. And this morning, we're looking at a, a text that we actually looked at three weeks ago uh, about the shepherd and the sheep. And three weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' claim to be the gate of the sheep. And today, we're looking at him saying that he is the good shepherd of the sheep. And this text, this illustration of a sheep and a shepherd, Jesus is using to invite us to follow him. And so as we read this passage, if you want to follow along with notes on the back of your bulletin, as we read this passage, there are three questions that I'm going to ask to help us go through the passage, and they're these. First, who do we follow? Second, why should we follow Jesus? And third, what does it mean to follow Jesus? So first, who do you follow? Who do we follow? Second, why should we follow Jesus? And third, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Let's read the passage, pray, and let's answer those questions. So this is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that we would hear the voice of the Good Shepherd this morning. And through your Spirit, may it lead us to follow him. In his name we pray. Amen. So our first question, who do we follow? There's a lot of options today of who to follow. Just this week, I I saw that Apple, the computer company, they're changing the word subscribe to follow when it comes to podcasts. No longer do we subscribe to podcasts. We follow podcasts because that's what we do. We follow people and things. Maybe it is a podcast or maybe it's a sports team that we follow. And we read up on the offseason, and we track them when they're playing during the season. We keep track of, of, of the rookies that year and how the, the stars are playing, and we follow teams. Maybe we follow uh, people on Twitter, and we actually have our phones notify us when these people send a tweet so that we can stay in the loop about what's going on. We follow people on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And now these days, there's something called influencers. I I feel like I'm too old to know what an influencer is, but there are influencers. And these people have uh, podcasts and YouTube channels and Instagram accounts, and they've got these followers who follow influencers. And influencers dictate what is popular and what's not. Just the other day, I, I commented to my wife, Sarah, about Something with regard to women's fashion, and, and mind you, I'm, I'm not cognizant at all about women's fashion, but I said, it seems like skinny jeans are out. She said, yeah. I said, well, how, who decided that? Like, who, who made that decision that no longer are skinny jeans in? And apparently, some influencer one day decided, hey, skinny jeans are out. And then the influencer's followers said, yeah, that looks good. That sounds good. I'm going to do that, too. And it had this ripple effect, right? We, we follow people because they offer something for us that we want. Whether it is fashion tips or knowledge of some sort. You know, we follow news media. Or we want to stay in the loop, and so we follow on Twitter. We want to stay informed. We want to be in the know. We follow people because they offer us something that we want, We're we're like sheep who are hungry, following a shepherd, whoever it might be, because they're promising, hey, follow me and I'll give you what you want. That's the illustration that Jesus is using here. We are like sheep 
who are wandering around looking for something, looking for food or protection. And there's people that say, follow me. Let me take you to where you want to go. And I've said this before, but it's, it's worth repeating. The Bible calls us sheep all the time, but that, that shouldn't be like a glamorous thing. It's an unflattering description because sheep, they, they can't do anything for themselves. They can't protect themselves. They can't defend themselves. They can't lead themselves to food. They are helpless on their own. They need someone to lead them. That's why Jesus says, don't follow the thieves and robbers. Follow the shepherd. Sheep are incapable of taking care of themselves. That's what the Bible says about us. But it also talks about not just shepherds, but the, not just sheep, but the Bible also talks about shepherds. That shepherds were, were given, not, not actual shepherds, but religious leaders, kings, and priests and prophets were given to God's people to act as a shepherd, to lead the sheep, God's people, to love and worship and faithfulness to God. That's what shepherds were given to God's people for. But it wasn't always great. Yes, there were some great shepherds like King David, but many others were poor shepherds. And in fact, that's what Jesus is criticizing here. He's criticizing both the shepherds who have come before him and the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees. He, he calls them uh, in verse 1 and verse 8, he says that they are thieves and robbers who do not care for the sheep. They only want to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, these leaders, they didn't actually want to kill people. He's being hyperbolic. He's saying that because they have failed to be a shepherd of the sheep, they are leading them down a path that will lead to their spiritual death. We actually see this in John chapter 9. We actually heard a little bit about it uh, after Jesus says that he's the light of the world. When he heals the blind man and now he sees, this man goes to the Pharisees and says, now I can see, welcome me into the fellowship. And the Pharisees say, no, we don't believe that Jesus healed you. And Jesus is saying, don't you see these Pharisees, that they were supposed to shepherd God's people and lead them to, to faithfulness, but they are robbers and thieves and care only for themselves. They don't care about caring for the sheep. This is Jesus' critique. He's warning us to be cautious about who we look to, who we follow for our spiritual nourishment. That's his warning in this passage, to be cautious about who you turn to for spiritual nourishment. Look, there are many, there are, there are plenty of, of people, podcasts, and preachers that you could follow that will give you inspirational words, that will make you feel good about yourself. But these Leaders, are, are they leading you to good pasture? That's the question Jesus is having us ask. Who are you following for spiritual nourishment? 
here's a litmus test for you to determine is the person that you're following, is the, the person or the podcast or the preacher that you turn to, are they leading you to life? Here's the question. Are they pointing you to Jesus? Are, are they pointing you not to themselves, but to Jesus, the good shepherd? When, when we moved here just a couple years ago to the Cleveland area, uh, I wanted to become familiar with the climate, the religious climate of the area. And so I listened to pastors. I listened to podcasts of sermons from churches both on the west side and east side, all over town. And, and I'm not saying this to bolster myself. The Lord knows there's plenty that he is working on in my own life. But as I was listening to these sermons, I was, I was struck about how often I actually heard sermons from Christian pastors who did not once mention Christ. We have one job as pastors, and that is to point people to Jesus. That is our only job. There are implications of following Jesus that we do talk about too, but only after we point people to Jesus. And so who are you following? Are they pointing you to Jesus? Are they saying, don't follow me, follow Jesus? Well, that leads me to my second question. Why should we follow Jesus? If that's our job as shepherds of the flock that God has given pastors to point people to Jesus, the second question is, well, why should you follow Jesus? Well, Jesus actually tells us why we should follow him. Because unlike the robbers and the thieves who put themselves before you, Jesus actually cares for you. He says he actually cares for the sheep. Look at this in verse 12. He's comparing himself uh, to hired men who, who were maybe shepherds, but they were hired people to watch over the flock, but they weren't their own sheep. And he says in verse 12 that when the hired men see a wolf coming their way, they flee. They run away. They're scared. And they let the wolf attack and scatter the sheep. Jesus is comparing himself to these hired hands, these people who do not care for the sheep, that when their life is on the line, they run away. But Jesus says, no, I care my sheep. And here's how he cares for them. Look at verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is just like King David, who was a shepherd before he was a king, and he would stand in front of bears and lions, and he would protect the sheep. And so when King David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, he understands that what it takes to be a shepherd is to have someone who loves and cares for the sheep. And when his life is on the line, he's willing to lay it down in protection of his sheep. If we choose to follow people because they offer something that we want, well, we should at least consider then to follow Jesus, who actually gives us what we need. We've, we follow people because they offer us what we want, but we should be following Jesus because he actually gives us what we need. And, and the need is real. The, the whole assumption in this illustration is that the sheep are in mortal danger. That unless 
the shepherd lays down his life in defense of the sheep, the sheep are going to die. There is a legitimate and real danger facing the sheep. Jesus came to lay down his life. He knew that that was happening. He knew that that was his mission. He knew that if he was going to be the good shepherd, that one day he would have to lay down his own life. He actually makes this very clear in verse 18. He says, no one can take it from me. That's his, his life. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to pick it up again. Jesus is saying that he's not only willing to stand in our place, he knows he's going to have to stand in our place and die for us so that we might live. This is why Jesus came into the world. This is his expressed purpose, to come into the world to die for our sins so that in him we might have life. Jesus is saying that when he died on the cross, it was part of a plan. It was a scheme between him and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit that from before eternity, they said, all right, let's care for the sheep. What, what is that going to take? All right, Jesus, you're going to have to die for them. You're going to have to lay down your life for them. Are you willing to do that? And he says, yes, they are my sheep and I care for them. I am willing I am able, I am going to lay down my life for them. And this is so, we need to hear this. Because I think too often when we think about Jesus dying for us, we think of it as some grand example of selfless love, which it is. But if it's just an example of selfless love, as if his life was taken from him and, and he went to his death in a nonviolent way, in, in a submissive way, in a way that says, all right, you, you've got me, but this is selfless, and I want you to follow me and learn from my example. If that's only what we get from the death of Jesus, we're missing the mark. Look, there's two ways to think of Jesus' death. Either his life was taken from him, or he gave it up. If his life was taken from him, then really he's just another influencer for us to follow and learn from his example of selflessness, humility, and love. Those are absolutely great things that we need to learn from the death of Jesus. But if it's only that, then we are missing the great care that Jesus has for us, his sheep. If he just died to give us an example to learn from and embody ourselves, well, that's not the whole gospel. That, 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 that can't actually save anyone because all that does is tell you how you're supposed to live. You know, I, I grew up in, I was born in 1990, and I grew up in, in, in a time when WWJD bracelets were a thing. I don't know if you know what those are. They're little bracelets. They were brightly colored, and they had the, the acronym WWJD on them. It was, you know, it was told to us it was an easy way to witness for Jesus. But the, the, the point of the WWJD bracelet was if you ever find yourself 
in a compromising situation, or, or you, you're facing this temptation or this decision, you look at your wrist and you say, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And then you're supposed to think, all right, Jesus would do this, and then you're supposed to do what he would have done. What would Jesus do kind of Christianity looks at the death of Jesus and says, oh, he loved us, and he was selfless, and he, 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 you know, he gave of himself, and I need to give to others. I need to be an example of that kind of love. And we, we do. There is some element of following in the steps of Jesus, but that's not the gospel. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. There's another way. And that leads me to my third question, is what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Well, to follow Jesus is not to ask, what would Jesus do? And then live like that. To follow Jesus is to ask a different question. What has Jesus done? And then live your life in light of that. Not what would Jesus do, and then do also, but what has Jesus done and then live in light of that. And so what has Jesus done? He tells us he laid down his life for the sheep. He gave up himself for his sheep. And every commentary I read in preparation for this passage, it, it singles out that word, for, that preposition, for. And it's a specific preposition in the Greek that says that his death was on behalf of another. That his death was in the place of another. It wasn't just that he gave it to us, but that he stepped in our place and took it himself. Or in other words, he substituted himself for us when he says, I laid down my life for you. This is what is so important about what Jesus has done. He has taken our place. We were like sheep, standing in the face of danger, and Jesus stood in our place. This is the ultimate reason why Jesus laid down his life, as a substitutionary death in our place. Here's what I mean. We have something called sin in our lives. You know, I said in our confession of sin that we are like sheep who are wandering away from God. And left on our own, we cannot care for ourselves. And, and the way that the scriptures talk about wandering away, it's like we're, we're walking away from God's design for human flourishing. That we're, we're in some way missing the mark of how God established our lives to be. We have fallen short of that standard, that, that level of life that God has called us to. And even the smallest amount of wandering, the smallest amount of sin, before our infinitely holy and good and perfect and loving Father, means that we stand guilty in front of him. And I know that that's hard to accept, but just think about this. If, if God is infinitely loving and good, then he cannot be in the presence of anything less than that because he is pure 
He's pure, and we can't be in his presence. And this is the problem that has plagued humanity from the very beginning. If you think about our first parents, Adam and Eve, they lived in perfect relationship with God until they sinned. And they disobeyed God's commands, and he cast them out of his presence because God couldn't be, they couldn't be in the presence of God. But as he cast them out, something amazing happened. He took an animal and killed it and took the skin of that animal and made clothing for Adam and Eve. As a promise of hope that by the death of another, your sin and shame can be covered. And it it was just this glimmer of hope that maybe one day this problem of sin would go away. And that glimmer of hope kept on growing. Because as humanity spread across the world, and as the sin increased in the world, God continued to offer them mercy and grace and hope. Just think, when God's people sinned, They were to go to the temple and offer a sacrifice for their sin. This was God's command for them. In fact, the whole book of Leviticus, which, let's be honest, is hard to read. I think most people give up on their yearly Bible reading plans around February because that's when they get to Leviticus. And it's hard to read the book of Leviticus. But the book of Leviticus was a book from God to the Levite priests to tell them how they were to operate the sacrifices of God's people so that their sin could be covered. Like the book of Leviticus is God's grace and mercy to us because it shows us that by the death of another, another, our sins can be covered. And it all culminated in the Day of Atonement, this one day out of every year when God's people gathered together and there was a spotless lamb who is offered on behalf of God's people so that the sin of the people was put on this lamb who was slain for them. This lamb died in their place. But we know from the book of Hebrews that the blood of lambs in the Old Testament didn't actually take away their sin. Instead, it pointed them and it points us to a greater lamb, a more perfect lamb, a greater lamb than that who would offer his life on behalf of God's people. That's exactly what John is trying to show us. He actually starts his gospel that way. When Jesus comes on the scene, John the Baptist says, behold, it's the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. The way that we follow the good shepherd is not by trying to be like the shepherd, but by seeing that our good shepherd, Jesus, knows what it is like to be a sheep and has become for us a sheep, to give his life as a sacrifice for us, to offer himself perfect and spotless, to die in our place 
so that by trusting in him, we can have the forgiveness of our own sins. We don't have the forgiveness of sins by asking what would Jesus do and going and doing it. We have the forgiveness of sins by asking what has Jesus done for us and believing that he has died in our place as a substitute for our sin. So that's what it means to follow Jesus, to believe that he is the good shepherd who has become a sheep and has died in our place. Now, real quick, I think there's three quick applications of of characteristics of a life of someone who has followed Jesus. So maybe this morning you're listening or watching and you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet. Well, this first one is for you. Because a life that follows Jesus in verse 14 says this. Jesus says, I know them and they know me. And that that doesn't sound too complicated, but what he is saying is that to really follow me is to enter into a relationship with me. That word know is not a mental assent or a study of, as if you go to school to follow Jesus. No, to know Jesus is to enter into a relationship with him. When I uh, was starting to date my wife, Sarah, I mean, I, I was asking around my friends all about who she was because I wanted to know who she was. But that knowledge of who she was paled in comparison to actually going up to her and talking to her and getting to know who she was from her. So if you want to follow Jesus, don't just study about him. Enter into a relationship with him. Go to him. Get to know him. But the second characteristic of someone who follows Jesus is that you listen to his voice and you follow him. I mean, I can't just say that enough. To follow Jesus is to listen to his voice from his word and obey him and follow him. I mean, sometimes he might take his shepherd's crook and pull you by the neck, but it is for our good to follow the shepherd. And then lastly, Jesus says that he has sheep who are not yet of this fold. And that he must go to them so that they can hear his voice and follow him too. Someone who is truly following the good shepherd has a heart for sheep who are not yet part of the fold of God. And it is our joy and delight and our duty to go to them and speak to them the word of Christ the gospel of their salvation, the gospel that says that you can be forgiven because of the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. And we go to them with that word of Christ so that they can hear him and follow him too. Who do you follow? Do you just follow people because they offer you something that you want? Or are you following Jesus, who truly gave the very thing that we need, which was his own life in our place? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word.